Welcome back. This is episode seven of the Fellowship. I'm your host, Adam Hawk. I'm sure glad you're uh, keeping track because I didn't know this was episode seven. This is my resident guest, Ryan Engel. Just shows up, resides, throws, throws shit Let all over reside. the place, and uh, we somehow get a show out of it every time. We've got our drinks poured already, so I think mm. I got to put a little more in yours. Okay, well, top it off, please. So we can get on with the show. Today's guest is a very special guest. I can't wait to talk to him. His name is Mark Warman, and it's going to be an excellent episode. Going to be hard to top our last episode where Maddie Higgins, the tattoo artist from Port City in Santa Ana, came down and told us a 20-minute story about tattooing a 74-year-old's penis. But I'd like to use the word genitalia if I could right now. You're only as good as your last show, so we have to do a great yeah. show, and we plan on doing that. So... How about we cheers to the fellowship and go do it? Should we do that again? Was that good enough? Uh, wrap it up. I thought you were supposed to unbutton jacket. Well, I figured it out before you did. Hey, thanks for being here. Appreciate it. Don't touch me. Why? <laughs> Why would you say don't touch me? Inside joke. Uh, go ahead. You can tell the people. No, it's okay. Anyway, how have you, uh, how have you been doing this week? Um... Better than most. <laughs> yeah, well, that's good. That's good to hear. Uh, you know, we've talked a little bit about your golf game in recent episodes, and you were fighting off a back injury, and yeah. now you've been doing this 80% old man swing. I found the secret. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, I think, like, I'm. if I could write, I'd write a book. Uh, I can write for you. I'll, I'll ghostwrite that thing. I do all the writing for yeah. us. No, you know it's uh, these drivers nowadays. They're so there's so much tech. Yeah. In them, especially the shafts, all that shit. And uh, you know, the harder you swing with whatever your shaft is tuned to, basically just the more spin you put on the ball and these things and the ball and all the shit. It's just it, you go smooth and hit the center trampoline, man. Yeah. You know and. And, you know, if you're hitting it straighter and you're getting a little rollout, you ain't losing much distance. But what you're gaining is, I mean, I'm aiming smaller, swinging smoother, back doesn't hurt. I mean, I could have started drinking water and stretching. That was out of the question. Of course. So I found a way to swing around my bad habits, so to speak. Excellent. You know, so. Are you enjoying golf more now than you uh, have Yeah, actually, the, like, uh, it's funny you say that. When I was younger and in the surf scene, I would think about like maneuvers or waves or fantasizing about like something you know and like now like even this past week i've had golf on my mind so much that like i'm thinking about like just pinching an eight iron like right off the turf and listening to it piss in the wind just yeah you know and like that feeling is so bitching and i'm just like i'm i'm jones into play yeah we're a little ahead on our production for this show we're talking right now, but people aren't going to see this for two weeks. In two weeks, it'll be middle October. When do you head back out to the desert? So October's fucked. Um, that's that's overseed for the entire valley. Now, you know, Indian Wells has two courses, mm -hmm. two eighteen, so they stagger it a little bit. So I think by like the end of October, the Cove course will be open. But I always just historically, I, I wait for the Classic course to open, um, and that's when I do it. And to be honest, um, over the years, I've frothed so hard to get back out there. But the reality is, is that when the ryegrass is young and fresh um, and recently germinated and cut and ready for play, it's it's not quite mature enough for those pancake divots, you know? Mm. It's, it's a little thin. It's like you just got your first installment of Rogaine, you know? Yeah. Like, 
it's sprouting and it's there, but you don't have full coverage yet, you know? Yeah. So, I, to be honest, I'll go out there just to get it, but I, you know, tread lightly. Um, but man, December, January, the prime what, season. It's, it's happening. So, well, it's, it, this is such an interesting time of the year because we are heading into new seasons. Mm-hmm. Fall is here, kids are back in school. Baseball's coming down. I know this isn't going to air for two weeks, but baseball's coming down to the absolute best time to watch baseball. Mm-hmm. And uh, McDonald's just announced today that on November 1st, the McRib is back. Oh, man, you love a McRib. So it's you? officially McRib season. Yeah, yeah. I love a McRib. Nick, do you love a McRib? I love a McRib. Yeah. Yeah. It's the, I, I want to see the mold that they use to make it look like that. And you're not talking about... Well, maybe you are. Are you talking about the mold to get... A patty looking like yes. ribs with rivets? Or are yes. you talking about fungus mold no, on the, the McRib? The actual like engineered cast mold that they use that they inject with um, pork yeah. body. Well, we hope that's pork. <laughs> yeah. Two quick questions for you. How many times will you play in the desert this year? God, you know, before the baby, we would damn near go out almost every weekend Mm -hmm. you know and then there's little week trips mashed in for certain things i'm on a couple of the committees out there with the club so i frequent it for meetings and such um but to answer your question as much as i possibly can because it's it's just it's god country during during the winter it's there you know um the the sandy soil the climate the uh the way the the water filters through that sandy soil and the the ryegrass growing on top of dormant Bermuda. Winter months, best golf in the world. Ballpark a number for me. Just give me a number. 69 times. And how many McRibs will you eat? <laughs> Not 69, dude. No? No. Okay. I'll, I'll probably eat a dozen McRibs. That's a wonderful number. That's a you great know? number. It's a limited run. so yeah. I'd probably get a dozen in. You know, I could talk to you about McRibs and Indian Wells all day, but we have a very special guest. You actually uh, booked this guest today, breaking the streak of the last two guests that I booked, Ted Sobel and Maddie Higgins. Uh, this guest has quite a resume in the game of golf, uh, which will be really fun to talk to him about. Um, and he's also writing for the Golfer's Journal. He's a father just like you and I. I got so much to talk to him about. And well, he's I'm, definitely the best golfer we've ever fucking had on here. That's correct, and that includes myself. And um, I'm really excited for what's about to happen here as I introduce to the world, Mr. Mark Warman. Mark, come on in, please. was beyond special so that was not planned i was very excited to have you on the show uh you were just waiting back in the wings magically a trumpet appeared and you just knew how to play it that's amazing how long how long have you been playing the trumpet i've been playing the trumpet for actually a very long time oh yeah um i started playing when i was uh probably about the fourth or fifth grade Mm -hmm. uh my my father is a music teacher Oh, He's a wow. professor. Oh, so you um, had the inside track. 
So he groomed me a little bit early to uh, awesome. to be a good trumpet player. What other so. instruments did you play? Uh, well, started with trumpet. Um, grew into guitar at around the age of you know twelve, mm-hmm. and then uh, the game chicks. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, didn't didn't they pan out, nice, but nice yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and then I, I played you know bass guitar and and drums just. Drums. Fun. Yeah. drums are just the most fun fucking thing. Drums are the most fun fucking thing. Absolutely. They really are. Um, Even when you're sucking at it, you're just letting it go, dude. Well, it's a physical instrument. You just really get to beat is. the hell out of things and you get instant response. You know what I wish yeah. I learned how to play and it was something that took, you know, a slew of shit to do? But the piano. Of course. God. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would never want to go through what it takes to be good at piano, but I would love to be good at piano. I did not have the patience for yeah. <clears throat> piano. Uh, my my aunt was a piano teacher her mm-hmm. entire life, and my grandfather, my my dad's dad, uh, played piano and taught piano as well. So wow. uh, piano is in in the blood, but I did not uh, I did not take to it. Yeah, isn't piano you know? technically a form of percussion? I think people say um, every instrument no? is based off of the piano. All the yeah. scales, and if you know the piano, you can I mean, could you usually play any instrument. You go to a fancy fucking dinner with your gal. Yeah, you have a you're getting getting after a little bit. You're dressed to the nines, feeling loose, and the 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 shitty lounge singers over there slapping the keys, and you just go over to him. You go, hey buddy, why don't you scoot over for a second? <laughs> and you just let the place have it for one song. I mean, that yeah, could be the coolest that, big dick you would, move you, you could ever do. Absolutely own the broom. Yeah, if you did something yeah. like that. Well, yeah. you're also the only guy in the world who would walk into a restaurant and tell the paid <laughs> performer, "Hey, I'll take it from <laughs> here," and then uh, probably <laughs> yeah. bust out with a little lean yeah. on me. Uh, yeah, no, that would be great to watch. But Mark, we appreciate you being here. You have an extensive history with golf. You started playing at 12 years old. That's kind of late. Yeah, it is kind of late. I did all the other sports uh, before that, Mm -hmm. you know, the basketball, the baseball and all that. And I didn't play golf at all during those years. But, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I just started playing golf when I was 12. Um, My grandfather kind of nudged me into it a little bit. Well, you came to the right place. That's going to be a lot. I knew. I thought that would go over well with you guys. Grandpa's teaching golf around here means a lot. Uh, (laughs) It's going to be a lost art. Yeah, and he was a legend. My mom's father, mm-hmm. um, World War II pilot, just legend. Uh, they lived on the Escondido Country Club oh, down shit. there. So there's they lived on this hole. It was the uh, six hole, uh-huh. and there was a three hole loop that we would play six, four, and five, and just back and forth, back and forth. And for all the, um, I think holiday- you parallel lives. <laughs> maybe, yeah. maybe. But all the family holidays, you know, uh, yep. the family would get together, and I would be just. Yep. out there till dark not, you know? I mean dude yeah you can't there's just not enough daylight to suffice the addiction yeah yeah, yeah. exactly so finally it was like time for Thanksgiving dinner or whatever mom yeah. called me one more hole like, yeah. you know yeah, yeah totally yeah and Gramps that's is awesome. just like yeah let him play let the boy play yeah yeah, yeah. let yeah, the absolutely. boy play that's awesome yeah. the boy did play the boy went on to play high school golf right down the road at San Clemente yep. go, go uh, did you say Triton Triton Triton, Triton. okay yeah that's why it's called Triton yeah, Way king of the sea well I know now uh, Poseidon Poseidon sure when I drive into work, I always see Triton Way, obviously named for the high school right there. Uh, you went there, you Indeed. played high school golf. Uh, what was, and this is great because it doesn't end in high school, but what was high school golf like for you? 
High school golf was great. Uh, we had a cool group of guys, mm-hmm. really small group of guys. A lot of the guys that still are at the Muni, you know, mm-hmm. Cole Phipps and mm-hmm. Wainwright. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Love me some Wainwright. Yeah, Wainwright's a legend. But, yeah, uh, <clears throat> yeah good group of guys. Uh, we had a actually extremely good golf team. Yeah. My junior and senior year, we went undefeated uh, in league play. Mm. So we had... I think three players from that team go off to play D1 collegiate golf. Including so, you. Including me. I was one of the three. And, uh, you know, it was, it was a good team. It was and a good team. You, so you had a great time in high school. You guys were a good team. Three guys mm-hmm. went to college. You went right down the road to San Diego State. You were born in San Diego. Uh, what was that like to be able to get to go back to where you were born to play college golf? Well, it was great. Um, I always wanted to go to San Diego State. Mm-hmm. Always. Um, a lot of nice girls down there. There are. Yeah, yeah <laughs> there were. <laughs> there were. Um, but my my dad was a professor of music at San Diego State wow. since 1977. Would he so. have been proud of you playing yourself in on the show? Yes, Very absolutely. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, yeah. The Warman men know how to be showmen when it comes to uh, Ooh, showmen. To- tooting the horn. That's so. a, that's. When, when the cocktails start flowing, mm. we uh, now you're speaking my out, language. So. I never understand a fucking word he says, but we're like we're connecting here. <laughs> I, yeah. I I can speak jive myself too. Absolutely, so, yeah. absolutely. So, um, yeah. Where was I going with that? Uh, you were. Oh, yeah. We were tooting our own horns. Toot, tooting our own horns. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're playing college golf where you grew up. So yeah, my dad. My dad was a professor of music down there. We we grew up in well, I was born and raised in San Diego until I was not raised. I was we lived on a sailboat in San Diego Harbor until I was uh, oh, four years old. Whoa! Wow. Yeah, so that was kind of crazy. Yeah. The crazier thing is that my parents weren't even hippies. Yeah, like you. Right. <laughs> that would be a prerequisite to growing up on a sailboat. Yeah, you got to be a hippie. Yeah, right. That's that's pretty. It wasn't cool. the case. Wasn't the case. Um, but yeah, uh, we so we had. Catalina's another topic we could talk about. Mm. We we spent every summer going back and yeah, forth on the boat, boat yeah. mm-hmm. out, to San, out to Catalina. God. I can't imagine raising a child uh, on a boat. I can't either. As a as a parent right. of a seven and a five year old, I actually can't imagine it. Yeah, uh, what, parents what, back then just sent it. They just yeah. they went with the flow and they made it fucking work. You know, nowadays it's like God, if you don't have that. organic no. pillowcases, you know, you're a bad parent. Yeah, I mean, yeah. a lot of truth to that. Yeah. And I, I think the moment finally came. Uh, I was four years old, and my dad found me climbing up the mast of the sailboat. And I was probably about, <laughs> wow, I was 10 to 15 feet up there. Yeah. And he was like, all right. Uh, we're gonna we're go, we're going landlocked. Here. Yeah, we're yeah. gonna go on the land. Most Is that kids when you stuck your your dagger into the sail and slid down like a fucking pirate. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that would have been awesome <laughs> with your trumpet. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, most damn kids, that would have been cool. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell Next that story time. as if it Next happened. Time, yeah. yeah, you can always embellish. <laughs> most kids climb trees. You're uh-huh. climbing uh, masts of yeah. sailboats. Well, when you're on a sailboat, yeah, there ain't no do? there ain't no trees to climb. So. Um, but yeah, the other thing that's sketchy is that when you're learning to walk and crawl and all that stuff, like the, the sides of the sailboat, you can easily, you know, go down under. There's oh, just yeah. three wires, you know. This, it sounds like a stupid question, but did did your parents have you in a life jacket your entire childhood? No, I don't think so. You know, because you would think whenever you get on board of a boat, the first thing you do is put a life jacket on. If you lived on a boat mm-hmm. and you had a four-year-old. Well, just you would think. 
Well, I would think. We're talking about parenting. Uh, Adam, that actually makes a lot of sense. But yeah. no, I, yeah. I don't think that uh, that was the case, though. Yeah. No brains, no headaches. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Which is why you don't get headaches. Um, so you, you played college golf for six years. Yeah. Well, no. No. Uh, five, I went to college for five years. Uh-huh. I played on the golf team for four of those years. My first year there was a redshirt year. So that, that means basically you... You're on the team, but you don't compete in any of the events. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't count against your NCAA eligibility. Because you get to travel and it hang was. out and practice and it shit, was, and you have yeah. no pressure. Yeah. It was, yeah. And I um, I had to get better, too. Totally. As a freshman, 18-year-old player, I was not good enough to make the golf team. Yeah. So it, that was a... That was a useful year for me to practice. And, That's awesome. Yeah. That's one of the interesting things about climbing the ranks in athleticism is you're the best of the best at a certain level. Then the next level, you're around all the same people who were the best of the best of where they came from, and then you have to be better than them. And then to make it to the next level, which would be pro, you have to be better than the people who were better than the best and better than the best before that. It's always narrowing down to just who is the best of all of these guys who have for a long time been the best, and you were able to this? you were able to turn it into a pro I, career. I hear what you're saying. That was difficult. But I also hear what you're saying. Okay. <laughs> and you're absolutely right. I mean, that's like nail on the head. Yeah. Um, Thank you. Going from high school. Yeah. <laughs> uh, high school, yeah, for sure. High school as a freshman, uh, I made the varsity team, which was mm-hmm. awesome, but everyone else was junior and seniors. I was, you know, the freshman, uh, last player on the team, whatever. Um, yeah. College, the same way. I had to, you know, work my way onto the team there, too. Yeah. And then you go to the professional level and even more so like, which you did in 2004 yeah you 2004. turned you turned pro you joined some various mini tours and you even won the california state open in 2009 i did that's, that's a, amazing yeah. that's a big deal that's huge it was a big tour yeah definitely the biggest one in my career uh no doubt um california state open is a is a fairly prestigious tournament mm-hmm. for the mini tour mm-hmm. group mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh yeah i've got my name on that trophy list and Feels, awesome. feels pretty good. Yeah. Awesome. When we turn on the TV and we see these PGA Tour players, you know, they live a life of just extreme privilege. And I mean that in the best way possible. But there's probably... Fucking assholes. Yes. Yeah. There's probably not a better life you could ever be given than to be a professional golfer. It's just you play the nicest courses five days a week. You get paid money out the ass. Um, but that's, it's not like that, even just one step down, like on the Corn Ferry. So what was it mm-hmm. like on the mini tour? I mean, it's not as glamorous as people would think. <clears throat> no, it's not glamorous at all. Um, even on the Corn Ferry tour, it's not glamorous. Mm-hmm. And even on the top, even on the PJ tour, it's not glamorous. Uh, you have to be in the top. Well, nowadays it's a little bit different, but <clears throat> you have to be in the top 50 on the money list for it to be really yeah. glamorous. Like... You can have your full tour card and still not be able to bring your family with you because your wife still might be having to work at home. They got mm-hmm. kids at home to take care of. Like, if you're living the life on tour, you fly privately, yeah, you, yeah, yeah. you know, bring your family with you, all that stuff. Were you in that era, forgive me for not being uh, um, educated on the uh, timeline here, but um, was the Q school for you still at PGA West? Was it that what you're going through then or had yeah, it changed? Um, Yes, was it? Um, it alternated. Final stage alternated between Florida and, and okay. And so yes, it was at PG West. Yeah. It was at. Uh, 
I've heard Nicholas. some crazy stories about those Q school years. Oh god! No, I mean, there's been books written on Just it. Totally. I've got my own stories. Yeah, I bet. I, and and it's I I've heard that from. Everybody. What, what, yeah. what do you guys? I, it's just like good or bad. It's basically like a lot. Mostly bad. You know? Mostly bad. Everyone's basically <laughs> eating shit, you know. And a few yeah. come out on top. And it was so hard back in the day to get your card. Yeah. You know, and and there were so many good fucking players fighting for those spots. It was sure. a fucking crapshoot. So you know, can you forge friendships, or is it just too competitive and there's too much on the line? And this life of luxury, for lack of a better term, is so close. Do you end up resenting the guys around you who are doing well? Or are you able to be happy for other people's yeah, successes? Yeah, that's, that's an interesting question. I think um, for the most part, you're happy for other people's mm-hmm. successes. I mean, well, you're kind of a small kind of like group. That. Yeah, Even golf's if you're like bummed, that. You, deep down inside. Exactly. And we talked about that with hole in ones and shit, you know? Yeah. Like, we could be in a match and hating each other, and someone gets a dinger, and you're just like, you're just as happy as he is getting yeah. it, you know? And it's like, there's there there always is that root to it, you know. Yeah, you're competing against these guys, but at the end of the day, you're mainly competing against yourself. Yeah, like you're yeah. trying to put you your know best how foot fucking forward. Hard it is, you know. It's, yeah, I mean, exactly. Especially so if your buddy yours pressure. makes it, man, you're just you're Stuck. psyched for them. Yeah, yeah. How many guys did you see kind of lose their cookies through that process? Oh god, uh, so many. Most. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I've heard stories of guys fucking quitting the game. Yeah, for sure. From, yeah. from, from Q school. Well, it's a maddening game for an amateur hack. I can't imagine doing it for your livelihood and yeah. being at that level, and you're so close. One question I did want to ask you, since you've been playing competitively for so long, um, and you got really close to the PGA Tour, you played in some qualifying events. What is the difference between a guy like you who is just right there mm-hmm. but doesn't get over and the guy that gets over? Is it talent? Is it luck? Is it resources? Because the difference between your game and his game might be like 0.2 strokes over the course <clears throat> of like four yeah. rounds. So it's just razor thin. What What is razor the difference? Thin. Or even I think my game was even better than some of those guys that made it. Totally. So you... Um, you don't know. I think it's a combination of all the three things you just said. Um, luck plays a part. Um, you know, uh, resources. The you know, rub of the green. Rub of the green. That's that's a real thing. But yeah. bottom line is, is that if you're going to make it, like you're going to make it. If you're if you're going to get to the PGA Tour and win and have a successful career, you're probably not going to have too much trouble getting to the PGA Tour. Right. You know right, what I mean. Right, right. Um, yeah. So that wasn't me. That was never going to be my path because I just, you know, Q school is tough. Mm-hmm. Um, but had I had I got, gotten through Q school, got my tour card, I probably would have been one of those journeyman guys that jumped back and forth between the Corn Ferry mm-hmm. and the mm-hmm. PJ Tour and mm-hmm. would have been a, you know, prosperous life probably. Yeah. But yeah. Um, well, now that I don't think I ever would have been a, you know, one of those, you know, yeah. top 10 world beater guys. They've done a lot with that. I guess they call it the Corn Ferry. I always want to call it the Hogan Tour. <laughs> I always but call it the Nationwide, nationwide Tour. Nationwide. Yeah, we're stuck that, in yeah. the Hogan Tour. That's that's uh, old school. That's before the Nike Tour. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. But uh, because shit. their logo was so fucking cool. Yeah. You know? I mean, yeah. it's the Hogan logo. But, um, but yeah, <laughs> it's fun. The reality is, and even during the week, you know, like when you go to an actual PGA Tour event and, you know, aren't there to just like, mingle and walk around and follow your favorite players like if you post up on a hole and watch the whole fucking field go through you soon realize that the tv's lying to you absolutely they're showing everyone who's having a good week the reality is 70 percent of the field is struggling mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. they are 
what I mean, fifty percent of the field's missing the cut, right, or whatever the number is. Mm-hmm. And then on top of it, the rest of the guys who barely make it play bad during the weekend anyway. But you know, it. That's golf a great is, point. Golf That's is hard, point. and they sh- they show these guys like they're invincible. But the truth is, I mean, look at Fowler. He he was a top ten guy for how long? You know, and we now he's seen him on TV and str- how long? Struggling, you know. Yeah, it's and it's just a matter of time. Everyone goes through it. You struggle. Yeah. It. The game is fucking hard. And he's a he's a genuine legit dude totally. too. And <clears throat> rooting for him. Hope he hope he gets. I out think of he it, will because he. You know what? Well, my opinion. I know this is way off topic, but the dude. And I don't know if this is a problem now, but. He was one of those guys that was a fearless putter. And I feel like those guys have the most longevity. You mm-hmm. know, those guys that whap in four-footers hard. Mm-hmm. Like, I love watching that. Yeah. Like, Fowler could wear the stupidest outfit of all time with his painter's hat over his ears and his <laughs> Justin Bieber haircut and go against everything I love about golf. But, like, he gets to the putting green and whaps in a four-footer with pressure just back of the cup, and you're like, I can get down with Yeah, that. he's, he's you know? got no fear on the, no on the, fear. On the putting green. So I have faith sure. that he's going to get it back. But I do too. I do too, <clears throat> and I hope he does. And those outfits he wore early on were absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. Uh, he looks so stupid. Yeah, but a lot of people like that though. Yeah, yeah. And he was a major marketing factor mm-hmm. for the tour, so they grabbed that and yeah. they went with it. And can't can't blame him for that. Whatever that year was, a few years back, where he got like second in every major or something. Yeah, it was like. You didn't have a pulse if you weren't pulling for that guy to fucking get it done. Yeah. Serious. You know? Yeah. I mean, I wanted him to... I think it might have been the Open overseas mm-hmm. where he had the closest shot. Maybe I could be wrong, but there was one of those where it was just like he was there and it was like, oh my God, dude, just win, you know? know? Yeah. Please win, yeah. you know? Yeah. But... Uh, he finished second at the Masters recently. Uh, you mentioned that you're pulling for him. I that leads me to believe, and you say that he's a good, genuine guy, that maybe you have come into contact with him? Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I know Ricky a little bit. Um, <clears throat> we played... Let's get him what, on the show. Yeah, I'll, I'll call him <laughs> up. No problem. I actually know his caddy really well, Joe Scalvron. Uh-huh. Great dude. Great dude. Um, I know I know Joe way better than I know Ricky, but I've met Ricky a few times, yeah. um, you know, at... You know, various mini tour stuff. When I was playing the mini tour, he was still in high school, just kind of prepping to, to mm-hmm. get there. He was playing some, you know, professional golf tournaments and stuff. So yeah. Anyway, just I think I think he's a really really good dude. Yeah, and I was going to ask. Uh, you've probably rubbed elbows and played golf at a certain time with a lot of these people that went on to be guys that we know or see on mm-hmm. TV. Would that be a correct assumption? Yeah, definitely. Uh, <clears throat> mainly in uh, collegiate golf. Um, there was to name names. I no, mean, please. I'm asking you to name drop, so I'll wear that. Hunter, Hunter Mayhem, mm-hmm. Nick Watney, John Merrick, um, Bill Haas. Those are some of the guys from my class, That's my awesome. collegiate year, that went off to have you know really, really good success. What and, mention was that shot Billy hit um, out of the water? Dude, know? that was that maybe was so one sick. of the best shots I've that ever seen. That was so seen. sick. Yeah. And he's such a freaking awesome yeah. guy. I know you guys have talked about him before because yeah, I've yeah. watched some previous episodes. Yeah. And, I followed uh, him at the hope that year he won. And yeah. ever since then, I was always a big Billy. Billy I'm, a, I'm a big Billy Haas fan. Yeah. Um, I've gotten to hang out with him a few times, and he is yeah. as good as they get. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So you were born in San Diego, mm-hmm. played golf in San Diego. Who is the best San Diego golfer of all time? And Phil I'll give Nicholson. You, well, here are the options first. <laughs> There's no doubt. There Billy Casper, Phil mm-hmm. Mickelson, Xander Shoffley, or the obvious choice, Charlie Hoffman. Yeah. 
I love, yeah, dude. Was it Gene Lipper on there? Yeah, yeah but I forgot Lippert. how to pronounce his name, so I skipped over. Oh my god! Oh, that's that's egregious because I mean, Gene Lipper was a San Diego State Aztec. Yeah, much as myself mm-hmm. on the golf team and uh, U.S. Open winner. And uh, no, Phil Mickelson tops that list hundred uh, percent. Nobody close. runs up the leaderboard to lead Thursday at the Masters like Charlie Hoffman. <laughs> and nobody coughs A lot up. of 65s in that first round. Yeah, Not, for sure. No, and no, that guy curses himself every year. No, no one enjoys oh, that Thursday post-round press conference at Augusta more than Charlie. And no one enjoys completely blowing it on Friday yeah. like Charlie. Now, I love Charlie. I affectionately call him garbage truck chuck because he <laughs> wears good. the waste management stuff the it, garbage it, man yeah yeah, right. yeah yeah um it hasn't caught on yet because this is the first Clearly, time i've said yeah, it i've never heard publicly. it publicly so, yeah uh but you you really do believe phil mickelson is the best san diego golfer of all undoubtedly time. yeah undoubtedly you um, ever played with him yes i have as a matter of fact um, has he funny. tried to take a million bucks off of you the well, guy can't luckily, play unless he's gambling um luckily the times that i played i've played with phil four or five times and Luckily, I've been on his team. I've been his teammate all those times. Good. So that worked out well for me. Yeah, that's cool. Um, the first time I played with him was at... I qualified for the 2002 Buick Invitational at Torrey Pines on the PGA Tour. And at the time, I was living with his brother, Tim Mickelson. He was our assistant coach at San Diego State. Oh, yeah, that's right. And, yeah, he used that as a platform. He, he got the head coach job at USD mm-hmm. right after that. Mm-hmm. Then the head coach job at ASU after that, and then he recruited John Rahm famously, and then it all went from there. But anyway, wow. now he's schlepping Phil's. Now he's schlepping. He's a caddy, <laughs> yeah. and it's like, what the fuck are you doing? You, I you, think they're just having. A you were John Rahm's uh, agent. You know? Yeah, you were his agent, and now you're. No, no. He That's picked been the worst time to jump on Phil's bag. Um, I yeah, disagree. That I disagree with that. Dodge. But yeah. <laughs> wow, the anomaly tournament. He had like missed. 60 cuts in a row, wasn't Bro, making any money. he just won money. the PGA. He's like 59 years okay, old. Okay, yes, dude. he won yeah. that. But do you that's not... That's a bad take. Yeah, what he did, yeah. That's fine. Yeah. We're full of them. <laughs> yeah. But I would have much rather been Bones Mackay on Phil's bag than Tim Mickelson on Phil's bag. Well, yeah. Uh, Bones and Phil had a legendary relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, they kind of cemented like that catty relationship. What it, yeah. what it could be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What it kind of should be. Yeah. Um, but Tim, yeah, to get back to my earlier story, Tim, I lived with Tim Mickelson for a year and a half at, at San Diego. Um, he, was, he was a good assistant coach. Mm-hmm. He was a good friend. Uh, he is a good friend. Um, he, he caddied for me that week. I asked, I asked Tim to caddy for that's me. Cool. So he lined up a practice round with Phil Mickelson. Oh, that's cool. Wow. On Tuesday of, of the tournament week, we played uh, another teammate of mine, John Lieber, also had qualified uh, to play in the tournament that week. <clears throat> so it was me and Phil versus John Lieber and Dennis Paulson, another San Diego State Aztec. Who, mm-hmm. if, I don't know if you guys know, but he used to be a long drive champion, oh, turned... Wow. PGA Tour player for many years. He actually won, uh, I think, at least one event on the PGA Tour. Mm-hmm. But now he's on uh, Sirius, Sirius XM uh, PGA Tour broadcast. Oh, cool. Dennis Paulson, local guy. Great guy. Um, anyway, so it's the four of us playing a match. Uh, Phil and I versus John and Dennis. And we had probably 150 to 200 people following us around. I never oh, played wow. in front of that many people in my entire life. I was a 20-year-old 
collegiate amateur player. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Getting a taste of this this yeah. life, and I was just like, oh, this, you play this good? Is great. I I played phenomenally. Wow, That's good awesome. for you. I was going to ask you if you were nervous, and if oh, so, very nervous. Yeah, very what nervous. made you more nervous? Playing with Phil and being his teammate and having to hold your own with Phil, mm-hmm. or having the hundreds of people around you? Definitely playing in front of Phil, uh, being his teammate, mm-hmm. trying to you know help out the team in somewhat. Yeah. Uh, playing in front of that many people for the first time, I enjoyed it. I love playing in front of people. Yeah. Every time I've been able to play in front of people, I've it's been great. Yeah, great. My game's elevated, and I love it. That's awesome. Some guys um, like the, the butterfly. Some guys, yeah, yeah. And whenever I've been nervous, that's been a good sign yeah. for me. I've always, I've always cool. played my best golf yeah. nervous. But if you, oh, I'm sorry. Mine's usually whenever I'm drunk, I play good. But, yeah, well, that's. But you play I'm, good all the time. Yeah. <laughs> well, you would think maybe I maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> maybe maybe rethink that one. Hey, if you think you're playing, good. I want to be yeah. good. Yeah, I, I'm ready to be good. 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 If, uh, if you see Phil again, uh, just I'd like you to ask him a question for me. Okay, you... I'll say Adam Hawk wants to know something. Yes, I want to know. And he'll how... go. I know exactly who that is. So. I want. Yes, I want to know how nothing in the world ever sticks to this guy. FBI indictment, millions of dollars doesn't <laughs> stick to him. He's caught up in smart. the college admission yeah. scandal. His daughter so goes to that tutor. Doesn't smart, stick dude. to him. He goes and plays hockey at the U.S. Open with his ball and then says, ah, toughen up, everybody. I was just taking the two-stroke penalty because it's smarter. Nothing yeah. sticks to this guy at all. Hey, anyone else? Thumbs up and smiles go a long way, dude. Yeah, they, no, they certainly you know? do. And, and he's great with the fans, you know. And, great with the fans. And uh, so it's probably, that's just pure manifestation, dude. I think he's, I think he's really smart. I think he's a smart guy. Oh, he has to be, yeah. In terms of the indictment, I think he knew where he stood on that, and he was pretty much scotch-free. Yeah. You know, he was good. Yeah. I don't think he would ever knowingly do anything that would implicate him in some kind of illegal activity. But um, who knows? Now. Who knows? Yeah, who knows? Who knows? If uh, Phil Mickelson could not gamble on golf, would he have quit a long time ago? Probably. That's not a bad take. Yeah, he I, is addicted to gambling. He's one of those guys that you can just tell loves golf, though. He like, loves golf. Like, he loves the gambling, but he, like, you know, Arnie was the same way. Like, Jack, as he got older, you know, he'd play some of those senior tour events and shit. But you could just tell that, like, that dude would rather be fly fishing, you know? Arnie would sure. be out there. His game could be in the tank, and he'd play Monday through fucking Sunday, dude. Yeah, you know, like I don't care. I'm go- I'm flying to Latrobe tomorrow to play with my guys <laughs> for the Monday money game. You know? Some guys love it. Some guys are just naturally yeah. gifted at it. Take like a Bruce Litsky. That yeah, when you said that, it reminded me of Bruce Litsky. He he would rather do anything but golf. But yeah. he was so naturally talented. You heard like. that story of Bruce Litsky? How he he the last tournament of the season, he uh, he bailed, and his caddy. Um, Always gave him so much shit for never practicing that his caddy put banana peels in his in his head covers in the trunk of his car. And when it came to the first tournament of the year, the next season, popped the thing and there were fucking moldy banana peels in his head covers. He wow. didn't touch his clubs, dude. That's amazing. That's an amazing. <laughs> that guy story. just showed up, hit the fade, and said, "Show me where the steak dinner is, dude." Yeah, I love that. You exactly. I'd, I'd like to think I'm kind of. It also goes to uh, tell you how how much a fade can work in your favor. Mm. You play a fade, it's going to save your back. You're going to have control. You're going to, you know, playing yeah. play a draw, good luck. Good luck. No, but play a fade, you're, you're good to go. I curse draws. A fade is a much prettier golf shot, too. I, I think so. I love mm-hmm. that ball flight of a fade. Uh, the draw, sure. 
doesn't really do anything for me. I mean, it's cool. Hit a slinger, whatever, but... Uh, Sometimes you need to hit a draw. Well, yeah. And you should only hit a draw if you need to hit a draw. But usually you should hit a fade. Just like uh, Lee Trevino said, you know, a fade will listen to you, but a draw... Yeah. Can't talk yes. to her. Can't talk to a draw. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, that's awesome. One last thing on Phil. Um, I can tell you're a fan of Phil, right? The, Big fan. Yeah. I, I know the Mickelson family. And like I said, I lived with Tim. Um, his parents lived right across the freeway from San Diego State where we lived, mm-hmm. about a 10-minute drive. So mm-hmm. we would go over to their house um, every now and then and build these sports scope things that uh, Phil Sr. developed. It was a you know a thing where you you know light it up. You're in the gallery. It looks like a. I remember those. Like, yeah. yeah. So we oh, would yeah. go over to their house. <laughs> we would you know spend four or five hours assembling these sports scopes. Yeah. And then he would let us like have free reign on on the famous green that he built that mm-hmm. Phil Mickelson grew up on. Mm-hmm. Wow. Which cool. was sick. Cool. Nice. Um, so we would spend hours after making sports scopes in the Mickelson house. We would yeah. go on that green in the backyard and have all kinds of games and money games and chipping. And That's stuff. awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, Phil, this, the day he turned 50, he couldn't get that senior card fast enough <laughs> because he knew this is the youngest I'll be playing these guys. And I don't know, you probably know this. He's two for two at those events. Like, he's won them going away, and it's the easiest yeah. paycheck in the world. They only play three rounds, not four. It's uh, a dream tour, for yeah, sure. Right, and yeah. he just no runs cuts. out there. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny because he's playing on both tours at the same time, and he told the media once, I'm practicing for majors getting ready uh, at these senior tour events. You yeah. know, I need to keep sharp, and I'm mm-hmm. just reading that like, bullshit, dude. This is the easiest paycheck of your life. He said it before the U.S. Open at Tory this year. And it's like if you wanted to get ready for that, just walk out your backyard and play Tory, but he's off in the in the middle of America just absolutely beating these geriatrics and collecting these giant <laughs> cardboard checks and he, there's some are. players out there. And, and he's just sure. and he's yeah. just smiling and he's cashing these giant checks and Phil to me is just his unabashed love for Collecting money is it's it's an all time. He he is a really good gambler. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Tim was a good gambler too. He was uh, he he liked the, he liked the ponies. Mm-hmm. Tim did. Is that Ooh, right? Pony man. I like yeah. Del Mar so, guy. Yeah. So is Phil. Yeah. And uh, they like to gamble a lot. And uh, they kind of Tim kind of introduced me to that world. And uh, so I I mean I like to I like to gamble too. Um, yeah. What's your game? Golf. You like I to like gamble to bet on, on myself. Golf. That's yeah, great. I like to bet on That's myself. Fun. Yeah. Um, I have fun at the casinos. You know, I don't take it too seriously. Right. Uh, at the casinos, but mm-hmm. I enjoy being in a casino playing some blackjack. That, that, that would be my game if, that you're, if game. that's what you're asking. Yep. Um, I never, I never got good enough to like learn craps. I tried a few craps I've tutorials. To, I always wanted to too. Yeah. I've even read like a few books and stuff yeah. on yeah. craps, and I was like, I still it looks like a lot of fun. Yeah, I just um, uh, I just was playing a lot of craps in Vegas a couple weekends ago. It is a very very easy game once you figure out what's going on. Not easy to make money, but easy to understand. There's mm-hmm. just like three things you need to know. That's what I've heard. Yeah, yeah, and all you need to do is just go with someone. They'll go through a few rounds. They'll tell you what you're doing, and then if you're like a hot shooter, the table loves you. It's the cool game where like everyone at the table. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know they don't let you do that anymore. What? Yeah. No. Oh, COVID. Uh, it, it, it's not only that, but. Uh, they don't want you putting the dice near your sleeves at all. Mm. Uh, because there's so much cheating that goes on. That's better to hear than it being a code protocol. Yeah, yeah. it's 
And, and you can't ever pull the dice off of the table to throw. Like, your hand has to stay over the table the entire time. And they're very strict about it. Um, because there's some magicians out there. Oh, yeah, and you that know... That can, like... Yeah, and, and it's... You know? it's yeah. yeah. And it's funny because it's like we're playing the $5 table at the Excalibur. I mean, who's cheating here? You know what I mean? We're already... Go to the Excalibur. Well, yeah, and, and I'm just making the story a little bit better. We were, at the, we were at the New York, New York. Uh, but it, the point is, like, who's cheating? There? Are you in cosplay dressed like a fucking knight? <laughs> I had no idea you knew what the word cosplay meant. Good, good for you. Good for you. That's a good um, word. Before cosplay. we get off of the subject of San Diego and golf, uh, you brought up Tori. Mm-hmm. Do you have a... Um, do you have a, a soft spot in your heart for Tori? I do. I have a major soft spot in my heart for Tori. Um, even before I played the um, Buick Invitational there, I had won a collegiate tournament, my first collegiate victory ever, my one of two. And it was at the UF- UCSD Invitational. Mm. And, um, yeah, well, I won that tournament. It was a two-round tournament. Great. Um, I also played the SCGA Amateur uh, there, and I finished um, third or fourth. I Mm -hmm. I did pretty well. I was pretty psyched on it. Nice. So, yeah, Torrey uh, has a soft spot in my heart. It's a great course, too. Yeah, and Um, especially now at my age, now looking back on it, like even the – that was my first and only uh, PGA Tour uh, event. Yeah. It was great. That's awesome. It it hurt me that it got – because I love Torrey. It hurt me that I got shit on so much after the U.S. Open for being a bad major championship venue. And it was like, in my opinion, it's hosted two. 08 is the most memorable major in the history of golf. Um, it was a five... I wouldn't disagree with that. Five that rounds, was, yeah. 91 holes. Yeah. It came down to uh, America's favorite schlub, Rocco, who's wearing the same red as Tiger on a Monday. That was weird. And, yeah, that was weird. And, and, you know, we all know what happened. And then this last one, um, it was for about an hour the tightest A-list leaderboard ever. And then John Rom was the only guy that could survive Tory as everybody else shit their pants. But mm-hmm. John Rom didn't. And it was a very anticlimactic ending of a guy winning on a driving range while your boy Phil is just sitting there laughing, talking. Well, uh, that's that's I mean that's the nature of golf tournaments. Right. You never know how they're going to pan out. Yeah. They it, all can't be scripted. Right. It looked like for a moment that was going to be another classic. Yeah. But my point being, um, I thought the course was fine for a major. Did you think it was okay for it's a major? It's a very worthy U.S. Open golf course, no doubt. It's mm-hmm. long. And you can grow the rough up really gnarly. Mm-hmm. It's Kukuya, so you don't have to grow it up big and thick. Yeah. You can grow it up to just about, you know, less than a foot, and it's still going to be extremely yeah. gnarly. The wheels are spinning right here. Why don't you get your anti-Tory uh, take out? No, I don't have an anti-Tory no, take. No, let's hear it. No, it, it's, it, you know, I like seeing the hay, you know, mm-hmm. and really penalizing the missed fairway. And, you know, obviously there's spots in Kukuya that are unplayable, you know, with three-inch rough. You know what I mean? Um, But I didn't think that the course was so bad. I just thought the USGA just didn't. I mean, we went to the tournament, and I was walking. we walked around it, and I was like, this sure doesn't feel like a major. Well, a lot of that had to do with them putting the tournament on. And I get it. Everyone's using the COVID (laughs) excuse and shit. But, you know what I mean? So what was the issue? I had nothing... Nothing major, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, it, it you know the uh, US, USGA knows how to borderline ruin a ruin a golf tournament. The yep. experience the experience was lacking in a, in just about every department. 
you know mm-hmm. um i mean the beverages alone for the spectators was a joke you know and i'm a big beverage guy so well no they just weren't available yeah they, uh, and it was like corona seltzer beer and like something else there was like no choices and they were too few and far between yeah and oh. you had to you had to walk so far and then the food sucked and like then we were like okay let's check out the fucking souvenir tent and that was garbage you yeah. know that and I was just bad. like, dude, what are they doing here? Like, well, what they this were should doing. be like my my point was is like, of all the majors, the Masters just puts together the kit and caboodle. Yeah, you know, they are buttoned 100%. up from floor to ceiling in every way. You get a fucking napkin from them, and it feels special. And it's like and you keep it as a souvenir. That's yeah, what I'm saying. Yeah, like, yeah, you keep your track. You know, as a souvenir. and yeah, and my exactly. point is 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 like these guys have a blueprint that is not a secret. Everything is out in the open, mm-hmm. and it's beyond me why the other three don't take anything from what they do. Well, the British Open's pretty special. The British Open's gotten a lot better. They've branded it well. They have their colors right. You know, they got that that bright yellow with the blue and the scoreboards. Like it has a vibe. You can you can taste. The, yeah, I still call it the British Open. You can taste that tournament, right? Mm-hmm. The other ones are just kind of like, well, okay, here we are. I'm, you know. <laughs> We're doing it, you know. And you're like, yeah, okay. The, P- the PGA Championship definitely struggles the most yeah. in, in terms of totally. uh, an identity. Totally. Um, yeah, I think moving it to May used to be the last mm-hmm. major of the year, Glory's yep. last chance. They used to brand it as. Yeah. And uh, moving it to May, which would be the second major of the year, I think that's a good play. For I like them. that. Absolutely, like it doesn't that. get forgotten. Yeah. By the time it rolled around fourth, you were it's like a little bang, bang, bang for me. For sure, I agree, hundred percent. You know, yes, but yeah, me other too. Other than that, and they did that because they've got to squeeze in the FedEx Cup yeah. playoffs at the end, which, which by the way, is like, the biggest horse shit in the entire world. Yeah. That agreed. No one could care less about the FedEx Cup champion. Uh, I could ask you guys right now who won the FedEx Cup this year. You might know, but not a lot of people are going to know. That it was Patrick Cantley. Was it? Yeah, yeah. that's right. And who cares? Yeah. That's right. Who cares? I already forgot. And, yeah, then I did. The, and then the announcers are like, they're playing for $15 million. Well, I'm not. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm watching this, and I don't care how much richer this rich guy gets. This golf sucks. And the fact that they yeah. start it where that's one guy is 10 under... That's they, the weirdest thing. They set seen. it up to completely be a Sunday two horse race. Welcome to the NBA Finals. The Lakers have a ten point advantage going into right. this game. You know, yes. it's like who the fuck does that? Yeah. No, no one, no one in the history of golf has ever started a tournament with a skewed leaderboard. It's that's so messed up. That's they're egregious reaching. to they're, say. They're reaching. Least, they're, they're trying to figure it out. Yeah, and I, I don't blame them for trying to figure out new, new avenues, new Not things totally. because the FedEx formula. Since its inception, which was, I don't know, 2009 or 8 or 7, something like that, it hasn't worked. Like, it's never really worked. Yeah. Um, you would get undeserving FedEx Cup champions virtually every year, except for Tiger. He's the only one that, like, actually deserved it. Correct. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they're trying to tweak the formula, figure out what's going to yeah. work. But the fact that they, to your point, they condense the major championship schedule um, kind of sucks. Yeah. Because the major championships It kind of fucked the whole season up, really. You know, because right. it made the other tournaments really not that interesting. They're out there on a island. <laughs> totally you know what right. I mean? And it's just like, tune in next week for the fucking, yeah. you know. 
yeah, Mutual I mean, of Omaha, classic. And, I don't know if it's just like where I am in life right now yeah, and, and how I pay attention to the to golf. It's, gotta be it's a like lot of it. yeah. I am tuned out completely totally. to, to regular tour events. Totally. Can like, you pass me that? Yeah. Thank you. You want to get drunk? Yeah. Let's uh, let's cut. Let's let's bring it back to San Clemente, as I like to say, San Clemente. Oh, can I get a little ice too? Mm-hmm. Um, I did want to talk to you about this. Thank you, sir. You uh, you've played a lot of golf courses. I have. And been very fortunate in that regard. Yes, one of the greatest munis ever is right here. And 100. You, you worked there. I did. Yeah, which yeah. is amazing. The first thing I want to ask you is this: the Pacific Ocean. I looked it up today. Is 68 million square miles big. That is fascinating. I've never heard anyone say that that uh, that stat. And that yep. Is, uh, that and the exactly. reason I bring it up is because <laughs> Muni has quite the bombastic tagline, the pride of the Pacific. Mm. The Pacific is massive. Mm-hmm. Where do they get off calling themselves the pride of the Pacific? I'm pretty sure Pebbles on the Pacific. Um, I could be wrong, but... Dave Cook, the longtime head professional at San Clemente Muni, he, um, his father, Alan Cook, was the head professional before Dave. Mm. So he, Alan, was the head pro from the late 50s until uh, the 90s or so, when, or 80s, when, when Dave took over. And mm-hmm. I believe he was the one that coined the phrase, the pride of the Pacific. And he was a genius marketer and a person who... Mm-hmm. You would have absolutely adored. I um, yeah. I and do enjoy Dave's uh, grumpiness in the pro shop. Though. For sure. Yeah, yeah. I love, I love how salty it's, that, that, that yeah. shop is. You never know like what you're going to get. I you're love just, it. Yeah. I love it. Um, it's, a, it's a bit like gotta, suit got, Nazi, if you like uh, yeah. Seinfeld. Wow. You've got, you got to imagine this, Hawk. Back in the day when that place was new, um, not a lot of development. The trees were all young. You could see the ocean from every fucking hole in that course. Just I would argue you still can. You still can. They they need to. So my biggest here's my biggest gripe. You can take this where you want. The photo hole eight T box, right? But they've let those ukes overgrow so much mm-hmm. that it blocks, and they're they're not in play. So it's just that one's behind the green. That's completely out of thing. The other one's hiding the chipping area. You mm-hmm. know, you take those motherfuckers down, and you got panoramic ocean view from that tee box. That is the scorecard photo that's right true. there. Um, yeah, just that's saying. True. I've, uh, that's a good point. Um, <clears throat> I used to take photos of the mini. Mm-hmm. I. I I run the uh, Instagram handle for the meeting. Great job, by the way. Getting a lot of swing loop photos up, which we appreciate. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's easy to repost. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm hurting for content, though, so don't don't feel too good about it. Because anytime someone tags me, I've been I'm like, tagging the muni and all my stuff. I know, you know, and I'm I'm very detached from it. I'm yeah. not I'm not good at uh, running it. I don't give it the. Uh, that's exactly dis- what a social media manager should be. Detached yeah. from it and not paying attention to yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I just do not have the bandwidth to uh, keep up with uh, the Muni yes. uh, Instagram channel, which I've started for fun anyway. But you yeah. know, if the sec- if the city of San Clemente ever wants to pay me a little bit, maybe I'll put a little effort into it. But, yeah, um, they got the bucks. Yeah, especially now. Yeah. yeah, I want to mention a few things before we wrap up because we are up against it. Even though I feel like we could talk forever, and we will do that when the cameras stop rolling. 
uh, you brought in some great gifts. You brought in a bottle of scotch, uh, some Glen, Glen Ranger. Glen 10, that's my favorite on-course drink. I didn't know that you knew that. Hell yeah. yeah. No, Thank I you for did doing not. that. Yeah, mm-hmm. cool. And then you brought in, would you call this a volume? Yes. Uh, it's, a, it's a bundle. It's a sleeve. It's it a, a bundle of uh, the Golfer's Journal. It's the best publication in golf. Ever. Thank you. Yeah, it's, I, I, would, I would tend to concur. And you work guys. for them, so you're not biased at all, um, <laughs> which we love. So this is just a beautiful magazine. Golf Digest is kind of what Sucks. you see in the mail, and then Sucks. you huck it over one Sucks. shoulder and just listen for it landing. I really like. I just go straight to the back and get all the tips. You know. Oh, and Golf Digest. Yeah, I'm a big golf. Yeah. Is that where you get tips? your tips yeah. from? The yeah, tips from? Yeah, yeah. Just straight Golf Digest. What not to do? Regurgitated. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Let's do the opposite. That's yeah. kind of how we started too. We're yeah, like, look exactly. at look at the golf look magazines. Let's do Let's the opposite do of this. That's this is of... this is really cool uh, that you brought this in. We Thank keep you. a lot of golfers' journals on hand here, uh, and that's by choice. There's not a single golf digest in no here. No offense, but we store ours in the bathroom because that's where the best reading is done. No offense taken. Um, I know that that's holy holy land for some people. Yeah, yeah. So it used to know. be the cell phone kind of ruined the magazine in the bathroom. Mm. It, the honest. cell phone ruined a lot of shit. It, it did. But, um, There's an episode. But that's I think that's why the Golfer Journal is so cool is because you can actually have a you know an analog experience of, t- of touching something. Yes. Other than being on your phone reading some more content. Print right. is great, but there's nothing better than good print. Yeah. How about that? That's well said. You know, what do you do for... Can you use that? Uh, sure. <laughs> Nick, keep that in there. Uh, what, uh, what do you do for the Golfer's Journal? Uh, well, I, we, we all wear many hats because we're a pretty, pretty small crew. But uh, my job titles are Key Account Manager, meaning I kind of just keep all of our golf courses and, and everyone in, in check, and uh, Distribution Manager. So I'm, I'm doing a bit of everything. I... I, I Get the events on board. I talk to golf courses. Get the contract signed. I um, I make sure all of our resorts are are getting their copies and on board with what we're doing. All of our golf course outlets, our country clubs, mm-hmm. are displaying the magazine. And you know, it's it's a bit of a tough job in the sense that golf courses are um, used to and and they expect to have the magazines just delivered. Where we there's not a free copy of the Golfer's Journal. We mm. don't we don't give them away except for these ones I just gave you. <clears throat> Those are the only ones no. that we give away for. for <laughs> but no, I my part of my job is to get golf courses on board to actually pay for these these copies. Yeah, and it's actually incredible the amount of golf courses we've been able to get on board. Great um, with that. So um, PGA pros, I work a lot with PGA pros. Some of them absolutely get it some of them don't and mm-hmm. you just kind of kind of sift through it it's yeah. a numbers you know? game yeah. yeah exactly well that's cool. but my job is basically sales yeah golfer's journal. Yeah. between golfer's journal and all the golf that you've played for so long and the people that you've met and the status that you've achieved in the game is there a tea time in the united states of america that you cannot get absolutely yeah um all of them uh, I can't even get a tea time at the fucking Muni. No shit. Throw the game. Alone anywhere else. Yeah. Throw the game. Throw the game. Yeah, I actually passed up an invitation to play uh, LACC today to be here. Holy yeah. shit. Well, yeah. what a guy. Can we take you to Taco Bell or something? Uh, yeah, sure. I love Taco Bell. I'm not, I'm not afraid of Taco Bell. Okay, you're buying. Uh, we, maxed out, we maxed out our card yesterday. But, um, wow, you turned down uh, yeah. the next venue for the U.S. Open to be here. Yeah. That's no, amazing. it's a great course. It's, it's a buddy of mine that he, he just recently became a member. 
And for him, it was like a two and a half year process. They vet their members Mm -hmm. heavily. And the fact he even became a member is incredible. But um, yeah, I was waiting for this invite for a while from him and it finally came. I had some other shit to do this morning, so don't don't feel bad. But um, no, we do feel bad. Yeah. This, you're Good, making me feel that's worse. Why, that's yeah, why you're making me feel worse. I like when they moment. spell it out: the Los Angeles Country Club. Yeah, there's some class to that. Can I put you on the spot? Um, as we wrap up the episode, there are three things that we want to do. We want to give you a lapel pin for being a great guest. We want to do a cheer, so let's make sure our glasses are filled up. But before we do any of that, I should fill mine up again. Well, yeah. I mean, no one's got to tell you or twist your arm to fill your glass up. But uh, <laughs> Pardon me. <laughs> can you take uh, a couple of seconds to maybe think of one more ditty you can play uh, on trumpet right now? Sure. A nice 30 to 45 um, second one would be fantastic. I mean, I hate to absolutely. I hate to make you perform, this but... This might help. A um, souvenir smoking tom gold lapel pen. That is amazing. Thank you. Compliments for being on the show. I have to say that I'm I'm a huge fan of this logo. Yeah, and it's what attracted me to the brand. Thank you. uh, Immediately, and um, you know, a logo is very important. And it's everything. Yeah, it really is. It could some say it's everything, and um, you hit the nail on the head with this logo. The smoking tom is your grandfather, right? Yeah, that's even even better. Yep. He's That's right amazing. above your head, the, the original logo right here. That's cool. Did, did I'm going to put this on my head. Did you yeah. see the entire golf world get an erection over Xander Shoffley smoking a cigar? I did, yeah. A uh, fellow San Diego State brother of mine. Um, a newsflash, fucking golfers smoke cigars. So yeah. I, I don't know why that, that got so much attention. Yeah, and newsflash. You know there's a lot of nerdy golfers out there. Yeah. yeah. surprise when a pro smokes a cigar. And also, if only there was a company that had a logo... Uh, where a guy was smoking a cigar. And if only they <laughs> yeah. worked in the golf space. Well, at least it brings attention to the smoking of the cigar. Very true. Which is like, Very true. you know, you guys can play off that. So yeah. that's, that's good. Absolutely. So are we, uh, you've got your lapel pin. Are we ready for a little ditty? And then I we'll am. Do you know, what should I play? Um, when the since, Saints since, come since, since, Oh, yeah. Okay, I can play that. Cheers! Cheers to the fellowship. Yeah. Cheers to you, Mark. Thank sick. you. All right. That was Cheers awesome, man. Yeah, that was fun. Thank the you. trumpet is a touch, indeed. Isn't it? <laughs>